Hi there, it's Gregory Dickow, and I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast and joining me from all over the world. I especially want to thank all of our amazing partners and those who support this ministry. It means so much to me, and it's helping us to take the message around the world. I'm excited for you to hear today's episode. I know you're going to be encouraged, inspired, and one step closer to the best version of yourself. Enjoy. Welcome to the Gregory Dickow Podcast. He says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good. And I'll read this to you from the New American Standard Bible today as well. Verse 28, we know that God causes all things. Now, I'm glad there's not a I'm glad there's not a period at the end of that statement that he doesn't say God causes all things. How many know that we cause some things? How many know the devil causes some things? How many know people cause some things? But the Bible says that God, I like this translation. I like this version of the Bible of this particular verse, especially because we can know and you need to know something tonight that God causes all things to work together for good. God causes all things to work together so he doesn't cause all things, but he causes all things to work together. And that word work together is actually it actually comes from the Greek word, which is which is translated for us. And it's the Greek word symphoneo. And it's the word that we get. The word that we get from that word is symphony. It's a, it's a symphony that um, by by itself, by each thing independently on its own, it's just one sound. It's just one instrument. And you know how you hear when a when an orchestra is getting ready and it sounds really off because they're all individually just playing their instrument, but not together. But when they start playing together, when they're playing by themselves and everybody's tuning their instrument, it's it sounds so bad, right? But everybody knows that sound because that sound is each person individually getting in tune. But when they start playing together, all the instruments work together to create a beautiful sound by themselves independently. Some instruments, they just never sound good by themselves. Like now, where's Manuel here tonight? Manuel, he can make the drums sound good by themselves. Come on, give him a hand. He can make the drums. He can make the drums. (laughs) He can make the drums sound good by themselves, but they're not designed to be by themselves. And they're never as good by themselves and they don't make they don't they don't um, make the impact by themselves as when to compared to when they're all when they're played with all the other instruments together to create a beautiful sound. And this is what this word means when he says God causes all things to become a symphony. God causes all things to become a symphony. So never judge your life based on a moment in time. Never judge your life based on one weakness in your life. Don't judge your life based on one strength, one weakness, one occurrence uh, or even multiple occurrences, because what God can do is if we trust him, he can take all of the things that have ever happened in, that has ever happened in our lives and he can cause them to create a symphony and a sound that impacts you 
and the world that you're in. And I don't believe that God is any less. I don't believe God can do less than that. I believe God can do even more than that above and beyond all that we can ask or think. And we have to believe that he said we need to know and we know that God causes all things to work together for good, for good. It turns into good. Each individual part by itself might not be good, but just like a story, just like a movie, if you take one scene in a movie and you base the whole you think that's the that's it, that's the end, then it's going to be pretty depressing. There is moments in every movie where the where 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 it's a, a real downtime and it's a real negative situation. But taken together, it makes an amazing if written to, if written properly and executed properly and filmed properly. It it's a beautiful movie. It's a beautiful picture. And by itself, each scene does not make sense sometimes. But together with all the other scenes, it's beautiful. It's a great story. Well, that's how our lives are. Our lives are a great story when we let when we trust God that he's putting it all together for good, for good. And it's going to turn good. Now, who does this apply to? He says to those that love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. Now, I want to focus on the second part of that verse being called according to his purpose. I want to talk to you about how to walk in the calling and purpose of God for your life and how to experience this calling. And but we have to address this first part of these conditions. He 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 causes all things to work together for good to who to those that what love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, you need to know something you didn't call yourself. God called you and you didn't know something else. You don't love God in your own power. You love God because he first loved you. And when you get a hold of that, then you stop judging yourself with, am I loving God enough? Am I loving God enough? Is he really going to cause all things to work together for good? So I, yeah, I can get I can I, I can accept the fact that God called me uh, to be his child. He called me to be his in his family. He called me to be in his kingdom, but I'm not loving him enough. Well, when is it ever enough? When can you when are you ever at the place where you could say you love God enough? And the fact is, is he doesn't put a qualification on how much you love God. He says to those who love God, period, to those who love God. He talks about loving God here. He's not he's not describing to what degree you love him, because we already know to what degree you love him. You love him because he first loved you. Yeah. You know how much you love him. You love him to the degree that you believe he loves you. And you don't you do not ever love God less than or more than to the degree that you believe he loves you. So when you would. So our focus should never be on trying to manufacture love for God, no matter how much you tell God, I love you, I love you, I love you. It really doesn't change what you feel about him and it really doesn't change what you think about him. What changes what you think about him is when you realize how relentless and how unconditional and how unlimited and unfathomable his love is for you and that it causes you to be at peace and it causes you to be free and it causes you to realize, wow, I don't have to do anything to get this God to love me. He loves me right now 
as much as he's ever loved me and as much as he ever will love me. And he loves me in three ways, because love is three things. When God says I love you, he means three things. He he means I will never break my promise to you. I will never I will never break my promise to you. I will never leave you or forsake you and I will never remember your sins anymore. Now, if you can get a hold of that's what love means. That's what God loving you is. He'll never break his promise to you. That's what love does. Love keeps a promise, right? Love is a promise kept. Uh, That's God. He keeps his promises to you. He loves you by keeping his promise to you. He loves you by never, ever leaving you or forsaking you. And he loves you by never bringing up your past and never bringing up your sin ever again. Now, can you imagine somebody that actually treated you like that? What would you feel like every time you came into contact with that person? What would you feel like every time? Well, we need to get into the calling of God here, but you need to hear this right now. Somebody needs to hear this. Is that what would you feel like if somebody always kept their promise to you? If somebody always uh, and stuck with you and never left you and never forsook you. And if somebody never, ever brought up your past, boy, you know, if you ever want to be if you ever want to be in a relationship where someone brings up your past, just get married, because that is the sure way (laughs) of making sure that someone will remember your sins at one time or another in your life and in their life. Come on, help me now. No, we're teasing, we're playing around. But, you know, that's what God is like. He will never bring up your sins. He will never remember them. He doesn't not only will he never bring them up, he doesn't even remember them. So if you say to God, oh, man, I can't get over that sin I committed. God's response is two words. What sin? Because he washed it away. It's washed in his blood. He doesn't wash it and then bring it back. He doesn't wash it and then re litigate it. He doesn't wash it and then remind you of it. He doesn't wash it and then stick your nose in it. When it's washed, it's gone. It's gone. When you wash your hands, the, the dirt is gone. Whatever was on there was gone, is gone. It doesn't come back again. You might go get dirty again, but you can't go and get, you can't go and get your sins back. They're buried. They're removed as far as east is from west. The Bible says as far as east is from west, your sins have been removed from you. Boy, this is what sets you free. This is what causes you to love God. You love him because he first loved you. You don't love him in your effort and strength. I better pray more to show God I love him. I better obey more to show God I love him. No. When you realize how much he loves you, you love him. You love. We love him because he first loved us. First John 419 says we love him. He doesn't say we're trying to love him. He says we love him. It's a fact. You do love God because he first loved you. And the devil says you don't love God enough. No, devil, you're a liar. I love God because he first loved me. I love God because he first loved me. So you got to get over into this place where you love God by faith in his love for you rather than uh, I'm measuring my love for God based on how holy I am. Well, that's really that's really not that good because there are a lot of people who aren't even Christians who are more holy than some of us here today. Oh, don't shut me down now, but you know, it's true. There are some people that aren't even Christians that are more holy and act more godly than a lot of Christians do. Does that mean they love God more? They don't love God at all because they haven't discovered his love for them. Well, 
If you get a hold of this, then you'll be set free from ever having to perform in order to prove your love for God, because he's not trying to prove his love for you. He already proved it by sending his son. It's done. He loves you. It's finished. He loves you. Nothing's ever going to change it. Nothing's ever going to stop it. Nothing's ever going to derail it. Nothing's ever going to change it. He loves you. And that real that realization is what puts you in a position where you do love God. You do love God. You need to say that. Say that out loud. Say, I love God because he first loved me. Isn't that what the Bible says? We love him. It doesn't say we're trying to. It doesn't say we might. It doesn't say, you know, it doesn't say we're 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 putting out a good effort. And if we're holy enough, we're really going to love him more. No, we love him because he first loved us. And so you want to you want to focus more on loving God. Here's the secret to it. Focus on how much he loves you and in direct proportion of your understanding of his love for you. That's the direct correlation and the direct proportion of your love back for him. It really is. And so really focus on his love for you because we love him because he first loved us. We love him really in 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 that sense. We love him in direct response to him first loving us. All right, let's keep going here. So the second part of this verse is so don't let the devil mess with your mind and say you don't love God enough. You do love God. He doesn't talk about enough. He just says loving you, those who love God. And, w- and why do we love him? How do we love him? Because what? He first loved us. So case closed. You do love God. You do love God. Don't let the devil lie to you. You do love God. Now, if you go back to Romans 8, 28, so he says God causes all these things to work together, to come into symphony, to come into harmony, to work together, to create this beautiful life and this beautiful sound to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose, called according to his purpose. Now, let's go over real quick to Second Timothy, because I want to talk about this being called according to his purpose. Second Timothy, chapter one, verse eight. And I want you to see this. Second Timothy, chapter one, verse eight. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ or of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel, according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Wow. Now, look, at. let's break this down a little bit. He said he has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Now, how many here believe you're saved if you're if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your as your savior and Lord, if you believe Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead, you are saved by grace. Are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves? It is the free gift of God, not a result of works, lest anyone should boast. Are you saved by grace or are you saved by God, by works? Are you saved by God's grace or are you saved by your works? Come on, help me now. Are you saved by God's grace or are you saved by your works? You're saved by God's grace. But notice what he says. You are equally called with a holy calling in the same way, the same way that you're saved by grace and not by works. You're also called by God's grace and not by works. In fact, he goes to great lengths to make sure that you see those things linked together. He saved us and called us 
with a holy calling, not according to our works. So what are, what are we saved by? Not by works, but by what? Grace. By grace. And so what are we what are we called by? Not by works, but by grace. not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. So this isn't something that you earn. This isn't something you deserve. You're not only saved by God's grace, you're called by God's grace. You're called with what kind of calling? A holy calling set apart for God's glory. And I want to show you how to walk in this calling and what it's meant and what is meant by this calling and this purpose. He says, he says, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us. So what we suffer is not. We don't suffer through um, sickness, disease, pain. These are things Jesus paid for. He paid for sickness. He paid for this disease. He paid for your pain. That's not the suffering he's talking about. The suffering he's talking about is the resisting of the lies of the enemy that tell you you're not saved by your by God's grace. You're saved by by your works. You're not called by God's grace. You're called by your work. You got to get it. You got to figure it out. You got to fix your life so that you can have a calling from God. And God doesn't call you by your works. But the devil lies and our suffering is to resist those lies. And that's really what suffering is, is to resist the lies. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It doesn't say defeat the devil because it's not our responsibility to defeat the devil. Jesus defeated the devil for this purpose. The son of man came that he would destroy the works of the devil. First John three, eight, Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. That's not something we have to worry about. Jesus already did it. Our responsibility is to resist the lies of the devil rather than destroying the works of the devil. Jesus did that. Our part is to resist the lies that we're not saved, resist the lies that we're not called, resist the lives, resist the lies that you your, your failure is your demise because you fell, because you failed, because you blew it, that God has taken his hand off of your life. God's not ever taken his hand off of your life. No one's going to snatch you out of the father's hand. Not even you. The devil's not going to snatch you out of his hand. You're not going to snatch you out of your hand. You got to believe in this holy calling. You got to be convinced and know that just in the same way that he saved you by his grace, he has called you by his grace and you have a calling and you have a purpose and it's real and it's been paid for and it was paid for before the world began. Go back to this scripture. Go back to the scripture in um, in first Timothy one, verse nine, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, before time began. Woo! Before what? Before time began. In other words, you were called before time began. So guess what? You didn't do anything. You weren't even around to do anything to get called. He called you before time began. That means before you began also. So you didn't do anything to get called. And therefore you can't do anything for 
for, to get God to stop having called you or to turn his to change his calling over your life. Now. You can't walk in your calling. Until you listen to his voice, you see, in other words, to walk in God's calling means that we need to listen to what he's calling us. That's the key to the calling and walking in the calling is first discovering, well, what what is he calling you? It's not just. Am I called to be a preacher? Am I called to be a um, am I called to be a doctor? Am I called to be a lawyer? Am I called to be a teacher? What is my it's not that's your occupation. That's what you do with your time. That's a skill, an occupation, a, a learned trade. That's not what that's not the calling of God upon your life. The calling of God upon your life is to come into conformity to the image of God and to bring others with you on the way. And because if you go back to Romans 8:28, he says God causes all things to work together for good. We're going somewhere with this, so don't 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 fall asleep on me. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Verse twenty nine. And he says, for those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. So that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. So what where we're where what we're what we're called to is we're called to be his sons and his daughters and to reflect his image, to be image bearers of of Jesus, to be image bearers of the father, to be to literally carry the image of God in and through our lives. See, you've been stamped when Jesus when they came to Jesus and said, "Um, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? And he said, bring me a coin. They bring him a coin. And what does he say? He said, whose image is on this coin? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, well, then render to Caesar what is Caesar's and render to God what is God's? Because while Caesar's image is on that coin, God's image is on your heart. God's image is on your life. You're made in the image of God. And you need to realize that you're you. That's the that's the image that's inside of you. And that's what God created you to be and to reflect to this world. And then he says, you to become conformed to the image of his son, that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30. And he says, and whom he, he and whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called, he also justified and whom he justified, he also glorified. And that's why verse 31 says that's why. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If he's the one that called you before the world began, if he's predestined you to become conformed to the image of his son, if he's the one who picked you, if he's the one that chose you, if he's the one that saved you, if he's the one that called you with a holy calling, then who can be against you? Nothing and no one can stop you from walking in God's ultimate purpose for your life if you will believe that he's the one and if you listen to what he calls you. And what's the thing that what's the first thing he calls you? He calls calls you his son. He calls you his daughter. Now go back to our very familiar passage of scripture in Mark 111. And I'll read this to you. And um, let's read this from the New Living Translation. Mark 111 from the New Living Translation, when Jesus came up out of the waters of baptism. And again, if, if you've heard me preach this once, you've heard me say this a thousand times. But he says a voice from heaven said, now see, this is where your calling begins. 
is hearing this voice from heaven. And this is the problem is that we're listening to some wrong voices. We're not listening to the voice from heaven. We're listening to the voices of Earth. We're listening to voices from hell. We're listening to the voices of our mistakes. We're listening to the voices of demons. We're listening to the voices of our old self. We're listening to the voices of our flesh. We're listening to the voices. And this is this is how Jesus This is what ushered Jesus into his purpose and into the, the, the true unfiltered calling of God over his life. And that's what I want to help you walk in. But the thing that caused him to walk in this is he listened to the voice from heaven. He listened to the voice from heaven and he he rejected all the other voices. We've got to make up our minds who we're going to listen to. We've got to make up our minds what voice we're going to attune to. We've got to make up our minds what what tuning fork we're going to tune to. We've got to make up our minds what voice is going to have resonance in our heart and in our mind. And what what is going to resonate with us is the voice from heaven. And what is the how does the voice from heaven sound? It sounds just like this. You are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. This is the voice from heaven. If you hear the if you hear a voice tell you you're not you're not you you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You're not really a child of God. If you were really a child of God, you'd act this way. If you're really a child of God, you would do that. If you're really a child of God, you would do that. Well, guess what? Jesus is 30 years old. and He hasn't done anything up to this point. Not one sermon, not one healing, not one miracle, not one fish, not one loaf, not one nothing. Jesus hasn't done anything. He's been a carpenter's son. So he's probably learned that trade. He's been, um, you know, in the temple learning and listening and asking questions. But that's that's really it. That's all we have that we know of Jesus. We know we know his first miracle was in John chapter two when he turned water into wine. And listen, he didn't do any miracles prior to that. So when he hears the voice from heaven, it's detached completely from his performance. It's detached completely from his experience. It's detached completely from his earthly job or responsibilities. It is the voice from heaven. It is the voice of heaven. And we will fall. We will find our calling and we will walk in our calling and we will walk in God's purpose for our lives when we stop listening to all other voices and listen only to the voice of heaven. Listen only to the voice of heaven and listen. This is so important that we get a hold of this because because the two things that we're talking about here is back in the scripture we were reading earlier. And I want to stay here in Mark one for a moment. But back in first uh, Timothy, chapter one, where we were second Timothy, excuse me, chapter one, it says that he he saved us and he called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. So the two things that are necessary to to fulfill God's calling for our lives or just fulfill God's purpose for our lives is to understand what he has called us and to understand what his purpose is for us. And let me tell you what it is. The word called means invited, given a name, summoned. So you've been you've been invited, you've been given a name and you've been summoned. You, you what is that? What is it that you've been called? What is it that you've been named? You've been named God's son. You've been named God's daughter. You've been named his dearly loved child. This is what he calls you. See, you cannot step into the power realm of the miraculous 
until you first listen to the voice of heaven. Jesus is about to step into the miraculous, but it starts with what he's listening to. It starts with what we're listening to. It starts with what we're letting feed us and what we're letting God name us, what we're listening to, what he calls us, listening to what he names us. You're my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Now, can you imagine the freedom that Jesus walked in knowing this truth? Imagine the freedom that Jesus walked in knowing that he was the dearly loved son of God. And as he is, so are we in this world. Right now, I know we go over this a lot, but what we're about to see is everything that everything that happens in Jesus life after this can be traced to this. This is what causes everything else to happen. And if you would focus on what you're listening to and you would focus on what I'm only I'm only listening to the voice of heaven. I'm only listening to what God calls me. People have called me a lot of things. You can imagine with my last name, people call me a lot of things over my over my life, especially as a kid. And but I had to learn to listen only to what God calls me, to listen to only what God says about me and to listen to only what heaven says about me. And you've got to train. This is what suffering is. It's training your mind to listen only and to reject all other names that are that are that have been given to you. All other callings, all other voices are out of the equation when it comes to who I see myself as and what I'm listening to and what I'm expecting. I am listening to this voice, the voice from heaven. And you've got to listen to this voice, the voice from heaven, because this is what launches you into everything else. And listen, most Christians are trying to find God's will for their lives and they're trying to find God's purpose for their lives, but they're not listening to the voice of heaven. And the voice of heaven does not speak outside of this way. It is the voice of heaven speaks love. It speaks dear love. I'm, I'm happy with you. You bring me joy. And we listen to bad stuff. We're listening to condemnation. And I, I get it because preachers will bring voices that aren't from heaven. They'll bring voices that are manipulative voices because they might have good intentions, but they're they're echoing the wrong voice. Now, stop there for a moment and go over with me to first Samuel, chapter 10. First Samuel, chapter 10, because I want you to see something. First Samuel. Chapter 10. So Saul is, is is selected by God to be the first king. And Samuel. Is talking to him about how God would anoint him. And in and in first Samuel, chapter chapter 10, if you look there. We see that in verse one, Samuel took the flask of oil, poured it on his head kissed him and said, has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? When you go for me today, there will you will find two men close to Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelza. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. Now, behold, your father has ceased to be concerned about the donkeys 
and is anxious for you, saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you will go further from there and you will meet. You will come as far as the Oak of Tabor and there are three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three kids, another carrying three loaves of bread, another carrying a jug of wine. These are covenant people and these are the people that you need to surround yourself with. But if you go back to verse two, he says, listen to what these two men, you'll find two men at Rachel's tomb and they will say to you, your father is saying your father is saying your father is saying your father is saying. So this is what we have to base our relationships on is that we should be in relationships where we're surrounding ourselves with people that are saying what the father is saying. They're saying what the father is saying. He said, look, if you want to walk in this anointing, Saul, you got to you got to go meet these guys. that are saying what the father is saying. You don't need to be all caught up with people that are saying what they think and saying what somebody else is saying and saying what they learned in in theology school. You need to go and you need to surround yourself with the people that are saying what the father is saying. And this is what the father said to Jesus. You are my dearly loved son and and and, and you bring me great joy in you. I'm well pleased. Other translations say, but you to, to think that that way that you bring the father great joy. That is something that I'll bet most of us in this room and most of us watching today don't actually think that we bring God great joy. But you need to start rewiring your brain to agree with what the father says. And I'm only going to come and tell you what the father, what I hear the father saying, what I see the father saying. And that's what Jesus said. You're not going to hear anything from me that the father didn't say. I'm not saying anything that the father didn't say. I'm not doing anything that I didn't see the father do. So he is echoing the voice of his father. And we're here to echo the voice of the father. And you're here to listen only to the voice of the father. And if somebody's giving you a voice contrary to the father's voice, you need to silence that and say, no way, no way, Jose, I'm only going to listen to what the father says and I'm only going to listen to what's in agreement with the father. OK, now if you go back now, if you go back to Mark one and verse 11, after he hears this voice, now we can read it from the New American Standard translation in Mark one. After Jesus comes up out of the waters of baptism, you are my beloved son in you. I'm well pleased. Verse 12. And then look at what happens. And then immediately the spirit in impelled him or compelled him to go into the wilderness. And there he was tempted. Right. So you cannot look. Everybody's going into the wilderness. Everybody is going to face the wilderness. The wilderness is dry times. The wilderness is difficult times. The wilderness is temptation times. The wilderness is challenging times. And listen, Everybody's going to go into the wilderness. But if you want to be prepared for the wilderness, you go into the wilderness armed with the voice of heaven. You go into the wilderness armed only with not armed with all these other things, armed with all these other thoughts and ideas of how you're going to make it through the wilderness. These aren't tricks. There's no tricks. There's no shortcuts through the wilderness. There is simply knowing the father's love that in the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to keep walking and fear no evil because, you know, the father is with you and he loves you. And what does love say? Love says, I'm never going to leave you. Love says, I'm never going to break my promise. Love says, I'm never going to bring up your past. I'm never going to 
remind you of your sins because I don't even remember them. Love says I will not leave you or forsake you so you can go through any wilderness and go through any trial. And listen, we're all going to face trials. Count it all joy when you encounter various trials. How can you count it all joy? Like James said in, in James chapter one, verse two, how can you count it all joy? when you're encountering various trials. You know how you can encounter it all joy. You know how you can make it something that is joyful when you hear the voice of heaven saying you bring me great joy. What gives you what will give you joy is what is when you know that you bring the father joy. Hey, man, Lord, I thank you that I'm going through this wilderness, but I know I bring you great joy. And you know what? That brings me great joy. And so I can make it through any. I'm going to rejoice through this trial because you're with me. You're not breaking your promise. You're not leaving me or forsaking me and you're never bringing up my past. So you know what? I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. This is how you handle temptation. This is how you overcome. This is how you resist. This is how you press through. This is what suffering is. It's resisting the lies that when you're going through a tough time and the devil says, see, God hasn't God doesn't love you. Hey, look, he's going to eventually turn that tough time into your good because he causes all things to work together for good to those that love him. And you know why you love him? because he first loved you and you're called according to his purpose. And how did you get called by your works? No, by his grace. And when did he call you recently or before the world began? All right. Now watch this. So this is how you deal with temptation. And then in verse 14 in Mark one, verse 14, I just want you to see this in this journey this calling. You look at verse 14, he says, and after John had been taken into custody. Jesus came into Galilee. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You see what repentance is. It's repenting from whatever you believed before that and believing in the gospel, believing in the grace of God, believing in what Jesus has done for you on the cross, the gospel. Now, Jesus knew what to say. Because he knew what to listen to. And most people don't know what to say because they're not listening to the right voices. And you're not going to know what to say until you first learn how to listen. Boy, this is a true principle in life, isn't it? Is that you really we really need to focus on what to listen to because then we will be empowered to know what to say. You don't have to figure out what, what should I say? What should I say? It'll come natural to you when you focus on what to listen to. What voice are you listening to? Because then you'll know what to say. See, everything that happens in Jesus life here, everything that happens in his life is traced back to listening to the voice of heaven. And that is what puts into motion his calling and his purpose. It's the voice that he's listening to, the voice of heaven. If you go down to verse 16, he comes into contact. If you see that in verse 16, and as he was going down along the Sea of Galilee, he sees Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon. And Jesus says to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What happens? is because of the voice that you've listened to, the voice of heaven. He connects you with the right people. He connects you with the right people. See, this is a part of. 
the calling of God upon your life. This is how you're going to walk in the calling. The voice you're listening to, the things you're saying that are the result of the voice you're listening to, the people you surround yourself with that are the result of the voice you're listening to. Boy, that's why it's important where you go to church. That's why it's important who you who your friends are. That's why it's important who you surround yourself with. And Jesus comes in contact with the right people. He knows who to walk with. And if you jump down to verse 22 and they were amazed at his teaching because he was one teaching them as one who had authority, not the way the scribes and the Pharisees taught. He taught with authority. He walked into he walked in authority because of the voice that he was listening to. It all goes back. You listen to the voice from heaven. You're going to walk in the authority of heaven. You listen to the voice of people. You're just walking in the authority of people. That's why we need to listen to the voice of heaven and we will step in to our calling to walk in our God given authority. And if you go down to verse 24, it says, and they met he met a man with an unclean spirit in verse 23 and the unclean spirit said, what do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? I'm not sure that's how he said it, but that's how I would imagine that he would say it. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That's probably something about like how it was, right? And Jesus said, what is your name? He, Jesus and threw him into convulsions and Jesus said, uh, rebuked him and said, be quiet and come out of him. Threw him into convulsions. He came out of him and they were all amazed that, that, that they had so that they debated among themselves. What kind of man is this with this kind of authority that even the unclean spirits obey him? You see, you will stare down the demons in your life. When you listen to the voice of heaven. You're going to face demons, so you might as well stare them down. You might as well make them leave. You might as well rebuke them in the authority that God has given you. But you won't walk in that authority if you're wondering about the father's love. You won't walk in that authority if you're wondering about how much joy you bring the father. You bring him joy. You make him happy. He's glad you're alive. He's glad you were born. He's celebrating you. The Bible says he sings over you. He dances over you. He celebrates you. You got to get a hold of that because that's what launches you into this power over demons, this God given authority where you stare down demons and verse 28. And immediately it says after they had come out of the synagogue, they came to the house of Simon or verse 28. And immediately the news about him went out, excuse me, verse 28. And immediately the news about him went out everywhere into the surrounding district of Galilee and verse 32. And when evening had come and the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and all who were demon possessed and the whole city gathered at the door. OK, we're talking about impact here. We're talking about impact. The news about him spread and the whole city gathered. Listen, I believe that if we will all tune in our our ears to the voice of heaven, the city will gather. Demons will flee. The news about the gospel and the news about Jesus will spread 
and we will make our ultimate impact in this earth. And and I want to say something about this in, in closing. I want to say something about this word purpose, because we see Jesus purpose here to preach the gospel and ultimately to die for our sins and to make a covenant with us. And our purpose is to make him known to this world. And the word purpose back in, if you could close with um, we'll close with this verse in um, back in Second Timothy, chapter one, when he says in verse nine, he weren't called according to your works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. This word purpose comes from the Greek word pros prosthesis, and it means this. Listen to what this means. It means to put forth the the sacred showbread to put forth the sacred showbread or the bread of God's face. Literally, it's called the bread of God's face is taken from a scripture in Exodus chapter thirty five, where he talks about the showbread or the bread of God's presence or the bread of God's face. So when he says we're called according to his own purpose, we are called to God's purpose for our lives. His purpose is for us to reflect the face of God, to reflect the presence of God, to carry God's presence to every person that we come in contact with. You are a covenant carrier. You are a presence of God carrier. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit and his presence lives in you. And the purpose for which you were you were born, the purpose for which we were all created was to show forth the face of God. What is his face? His face is welcoming. His face is accepting. His face is loving. His face is forgiving. His face is happy. His face is full of joy. And we're to show that we're to show the face of God. We are the body of Christ and we're to show forth his face to this earth. That's the purpose for which we were born. And until we get listen to the voice, we'll show the face of anger. We'll show the face of condemnation. We'll show the face of religion and it won't lead anybody into freedom. But when we realize the voice of heaven says, I love you. You bring me joy. Then when we talk to people, it's that presence that we will carry to them. It's that presence that they will see, that they will feel, that they will taste and they will say the Lord is good. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast today. I hope you're encouraged by today's message. It's my prayer that messages like this one would help cultivate your worth and your sense of value that's inside of you and grow you closer to God than you've ever been before. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what God is doing here at Gregory Dickow Ministries and Life Changers Church. If you want to support this ministry and help us continue to take the message of God's grace and his love around the world, I want to encourage you to visit GregoryDickow.com and consider sowing a seed into this ministry. You know, through your partnership, we're bringing hope to the hopeless, love to the lost and healing 
to the hurting and broken. You'll also find plenty of resources, including free videos and articles that'll help you grow in your walk with God and help you fulfill God's purpose for your life. Together, we are changing the world one life at a time from the inside out. God bless.